That has to be one of the most crappiest melodies I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> what is happening, OTC listeners? Another episode of the OTC Outside the Comics podcast is in your life. Another week has gone by, and what do you know? We're at the week where San Diego Comic-Con is happening this weekend. It actually happened today. I was supposed to do this podcast, I apologize, I was supposed to do this podcast episode yesterday. Unfortunately, I was busy remodeling the entire house, and I just didn't have time to do it. I was exhausted, but never fear, because I am here. The champ is here. The champ champ, the champ champ champ, and all that stuff. All that good things in time. <laughs> What's very interesting about it is, um, for this entire week, it's pretty much going to be all... DC-related stuff. Probably a couple of Marvels here and now and there, but all DC content will be reviewed tonight, and it's probably one of the most rarest weeks where we can actually have so much DC content to go over, especially with what happened today uh, in terms of a couple of trailers dropping. Actually, not a couple, just one trailer dropping. Newsworthy stuff, and uh, yeah... All fun and all dandy, DC Comics is always good to have a, a good spot to talk about. But like anything else, we're going to dive into uh, DC news, which is pretty much everything. And then, at the second segment, we're going to go into an in-depth spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, so to, get, to kickstart off, as I just said... Um, Actually, no, 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 let us, hold up, hold up, hold up, wait a minute, <laughs> we gotta talk about something else been going on, <laughs> like our non-sponsor, <laughs> oh, well, let's, uh, let's hear it then, let's give it a word, <clears throat> this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor, if you are tired of listening to little old me, I am not little, to the old me just speaking, ranting on and on and on, cause you think I have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You can create your own hypothesis. You can create your own stuff. Download Anchor.com for free and record your own podcast. Let your voice be heard for all your kids' kids, your kids' kids' kids, and everybody else that you know to listen to you. Wait, what? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't like doing a podcast? You'd rather not speak because you're gun-shy or you think you don't have a voice? Well, first of all, that's not true. Everyone has a voice, but if you don't like to do either of them... You can listen to anybody else you like in terms of whatever subject you like, whether it's school, whether it's family, pets, friends, it doesn't matter. There's always a podcast about everything. Download Anchor right now and then have yourself a good time. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'm actually in a very, very good mood. I'm actually in a very good mood. So like I said... First thing we're going to do is we're going to dive into some news-related stuff. Then we'll dive into what's going on in the DC Comics world. And then finally, we'll head into Ant-Man and the Wasp spoiler review. Spoiler completely. Complete spoilers. All that plus, did you know a new thing that I just came up with? Did you know, and rumors, of course, the quote of the week at the ending of the episode, but first, like we do about this time, let's do some news-related stuff, shall we? So, first things first, San Diego Comic-Con, from the 19th to the 22nd, which is going on today, uh, I'm not going to talk about exactly what it is that I've seen or what it is that I've heard of because I want to wait until everything has passed through for the next four days. What I am interested in knowing is if they're going to drop an Aquaman trailer, which we'll get into in a little bit, if we're going to drop into a Shazam trailer, uh, apparently, some other news-related stuff, James Gunn. The director of Guardians of the Galaxy is teasing a surprise. I wonder what it could be. And then next, we have the Godzilla King of the Monsters. Maybe that's a trailer. Maybe they're going to do a live statue. Maybe they'll probably do a premiere. Or could it be that Godzilla will finally face off against King Kong? Which we've kind of seen back then in the 70s. I don't remember. Wasn't it in the 70s or 80s? Ah, who knows? 
must have been a very, very long time. Uh, what I'm anticipating, uh, first of all, are they finally going to drop the Avengers 4 title? Or is Marvel not even going to be a part of this year's Comic-Con because of the snap? You can't, you can't forget about the snap. The ancient snap that Thanos wiped out half of the population as it is. So therefore, is it up to us? Is it up to us to realize what we can do? Is it up to us to gather our remaining force together to stop the monstrosity of the Mad Titan that wants to imbalancing the universe just because he thinks that if the world will continue on to what it was, that it'll be perished? Or could it be the fact that Marvel just is taking a break for him? I would think so. I would think so. And finally, Iron Fist Season 2 footage has been confirmed for a Comic-Con panel. San Diego, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there since I'm all the way here in New York. But I can imagine that IGN and other news-related stuff is going to get all the content they can to ensure that whatever is comic book related, they're definitely going to get their hands on. They are going to do whatever they can to ensure that we, the fans, are kept in loop. Because who doesn't love anticipation? Who doesn't love a good trailer? Who doesn't love to look forward to some good shit? I know I do. I know I do. <laughs> San Diego Comic Con from the 19th to the 22nd. If you guys are not there, if you guys have already bought your ticket, and if you are not there yet, then go enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Tell me all about it. You can hit me up on the MG Magnum on Instagram or MG Magnum. I'm sorry. Whew. Getting ahead of myself. Let me switch that around a little bit. The MG Magnum on Twitter. And MG Magnum 715 on Instagram. That's right. That's right. I said it. I said the Magnums. I said it. <laughs> In other news, Comcast has finally given up going after Fox. And the Disney and Fox are scheduled to vote for their 71 plus billion dollars on July 27th, which means if everything goes according to plan, we can finally get future projects of the upcoming movies. Who doesn't want to see Avengers vs. X-Men? Who doesn't want to see the bromance between Deadpool and Spider-Man? Who does not want to see Scarlet Witch and her father, Magneto, to tear up some shit? I'm getting a boner right freaking now. I'm trying my best not to cuss here, but I'm trying my best not to cuss. I'm trying my best here. I'm trying my best. As far as I know, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic. It's going to be a great crossover to look forward to. As far as I know about Comcast, I think what they're going to do is they're going to go after Sky, which is a British industry, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I really don't know too much about shares or companies or stocks or anything like that. But I will say this, Comcast gave it a good run, but you got to move aside because Disney and Fox, that's, that's the real deal. That's the real deal indeed. <laughs> oh, I can't I, I can't wait to see what their first project is going to be once they collide, once they join. Can't wait. Can't wait indeed. So, that's all it is for the news today. Uh, we'll dive into some DC content because that's all why we are here in the first place. So, uh, Mike, how about you shut the hell up and give the fans what they want? All right. Don't mind if I do. First things first, um, just want to give a big shout out because yesterday was marked the 10-year anniversary of The Dark Knight, which is won numerous nominees, Oscar by the late Heath Ledger, rest in peace to that guy, gave a stellar performance of The Joker, and 10 years later... I, I, I'm gonna have to break this down a little bit. Like I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting slightly emotional. 
Dark Knight is by far the one of the greatest Batman films, if ever. I would say it's probably my top two. Like, if I would have to switch one and two around for numerous reasons, it would be The Dark Knight and Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Possibly Batman Return of the Joker would have to be a part of that too. I, I If I would have to go with three. And the reason why two of them are animated films, well... To me, they hold a special place in my heart because of nostalgia and because of the meanings behind what exactly the plot was that had to do with them. So, those would probably be my top three. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, and The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, ten years ago, revolutionized DC's Batman for what it... for for. For many, for many, many years to come. There will, there will never be another Batman film like it. At least not for the next few years. What Christopher Nolan did for that movie. For that film. It's not even a movie. It's a film. It's an art form. It's, it's, it's perfect in every single way. The villain, Joker, gave a stellar, stellar performance. And... You have to understand, what The Dark Knight did, it left a legacy that was extremely complicated for other DC films to follow. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, what do you mean by complicated? You just said it's the best film. Just, just, just let, let me dissect this as best I can. It's indeed the... I find nothing wrong with the movie. I really, really don't. Maybe some nitpicky things uh, every now and then, but overall, it is a slam dunk best film ever. The reason why it leaves a complicated legacy, it's because the fact that it's so freaking good, other DC movies, I don't think would even light a candle to what The Dark Knight did. They won't even light a candle. I mean, yes, Wonder Woman was great, except for the third act. Um, Batman v Superman was shit, Justice League was shit, um, Batman from 1989, Batman Returns from 1992, they're good films, uh, good movies, I'm sorry, good movies, but they can't even hold a candle to that, Dark Knight Rises, it's good, but it wasn't great, Batman v Begins, also good, but it wasn't that great, you know, what, what the Dark Knight did... In terms of characters, in terms of plot, in terms of story, in terms of the villain's motivation, which or lack thereof, uh, in terms of the themes of ideology and psychology, the, everything about that combined into a two and a half to a three hour film, if you include the, uh, uh, the director's cut, if there is one. I don't remember if there is one. All of that combined makes for a great film. It really, really does. The Dark Knight, what it did, it left a legacy that can never, ever be duplicated. It can never, ever be copied. So many directors and so many projects, I'm sure, would come and try. But I don't think there would be anything else like it. I really, really don't. And talking about The Dark Knight right now, what would I say is probably my favorite part of the film? I would say the interrogation between Batman and the Joker. Because it's that moment where the Joker, Heath Ledger's performance, he gave his most stellar performance ever. Batman, Christian Bale, he just gave it to him. And he even said it in an interview after that. After the movie was done that he didn't provide the best Batman that he could. Heath Ledger stole the entire scene. He stole the entire movie in my personal opinion. And I'm sure in the opinions of everybody else. That interrogation scene depicted that it was a psych psychological battle between Batman and the Joker. That no matter what Batman would try... He would never break his rule that he shall not kill. And the only way for the Joker to truly, truly defeat Batman was to get him to kill. Right? Now that's been going on throughout history. Since 1939 all the way till now. And 
with the Joker's main motivation, he wanted to prove that human beings can be just as crazy as anybody else. With the right push, they can snap, they can eat each other, they are never civilized no matter what. And Batman tried to prove the exact opposite. Heath Ledger. <laughs> the, no words can describe how how great he's done. Like the, the, the great job he's done. Because like I said, the entire movie was so realistic. It was so grounded with everyone's performance. No one can ever do... No one can ever replicate it. No one. At least not for the next 10 or 20 years. It will leave a legacy that other people will try and fail to copy. Oh, man. There's... Just, just, just thinking about the entire movie. Pure, utter perfection. Pure and utter perfection. Huh. Ten year anniversary, The Dark Knight. If I had a drink in my hand, I would salute to thee. Heath Ledger, rest in peace. You are the Joker. With the exception of Mark Hamill. Because he's, he's the Joker. But you are another version of the Joker that no one else can copy. I salute to you, my friend. So, moving on. Other DC-related stuff. In speaking of Joker, we have the official title of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker that has actually been approved by Warner Brothers, and it's called <laughs> Joker. It's actually called Joker. Ain't that something? So, I mentioned before that it didn't really make any sense to have two incarnations of Joker back to back when you have the origin story of the Joker which I believe they're taking from the Killing Joke comic book and Suicide Squad's Joker and running it at the same time but now as I rethink about it more and more I think to myself you know what this could actually be the great the uh, a great thing that DC the DC Universe can actually do. The, the uh, Warner Brothers. Not the DC Universe. I'm sorry. That's something that's completely different. Warner Brothers can actually do. Because by giving an origin story of the Joker. Even though I personally believe that the origin story should be you know, multiple choice. Or should be hidden from the fans. Like giving a different take on how the Joker actually came to be. And it actually will be starring Joaquin Phoenix. I think it's actually getting me pumped and excited. It's been a while since I've seen Phoenix's roles in a lot of movies. I actually can't remember what roles he's actually done. Maybe other people can um, correct that for me. But, but, not only will they give the origin story of the Joker... They're actually going to include Thomas Wayne as having a major role in the film. This actually to me is good. Because throughout so many years, we've actually seen and noticed and witnessed Bruce Wayne's participation. Bruce Wayne's ideology. Bruce Wayne's uh, role as the Batman. Through comics, through films, through movies, through games, through every form of multimedia ever. We never really knew who his parents were. And I think uh, a giving and a take of Thomas Wayne and possibly his wife definitely plays an interesting part in terms of who were the parents that made the Gotham Bat, you know? Now, this is not into this is not going into confusion of who Thomas Wayne was in terms of Batman from Flashpoint. No, this is completely different. This is a prequel story. And I think having a prequel story that not only focuses on Joker, but it focuses on the Waynes. It probably focuses on Gotham in terms of how it was. It probably focuses a lot on 
Maybe a few of the villains, but that's about it. I would say a few. Now, I know what you're going to say. Oh, Garcia, we already see that in Gotham. Gotham, to me, is a very interesting take because it's more of a what-if type storyline. Because a lot of it is, a lot of the stuff that goes on within the Gotham storyline is not really in canon with the actual continuity from the Batman. You know, it, there's so many twists, there's so much made up stuff that goes on that has really nothing to do with the comics. For example, I'm going to give you a quick example, slight spoilers if you haven't seen it. The Penguin and the Riddler's potential gay relationship. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying I'm being homophobic because I'm not. But I just don't see that happening in actual comics. I really, really don't. I really don't. You know? And another, another thing. Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne meeting as kids. I don't buy it. I really, really don't. So, in my eyes and in my mind, and as well as other people's minds, Gotham is more of an alternate storyline that, that's also like a prequel story. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's more of a, what if this happened? You know? So... Getting back to my point, an origin story for the Joker and the Waynes and everybody else. Would, maybe even uh, Jim Gordon, like a different James Gordon. Even though, again, we kind of got that with Gotham. But I think it'll be very interesting to see. And it also is going to be very interesting since I believe the Joker will be the first movie to be debuted in terms of the DC Dark or Underworld DC or whatever it is that they're doing in order to have their films spin off and be completely different from the DC Extended Universe. Will it work? We'll have to wait and see. We really would. Uh, as of right now, the movie will is scheduled to shoot in New York City this September. And it will be officially released in October 2019. Which is interesting because Wonder Woman 1984 will be released in November 1st, 2019. So it's going to be very interesting to see the Joker and Wonder Woman facing off together in terms of the potential box office. But then again, two DC films one month after each other. Who is really complaining? Honestly. With the exception of the diehard Marvel fans that hate DC Who's really complaining? I know I'm not. So, moving on. Aquaman. Have you guys seen the Aquaman poster? If you guys have not seen it, look it up right now. It's Aquaman. It's the new Aquaman poster where he's sitting in a rock, on a rock in leather pants with a trident. He's underwater. And in the background, you have sharks killer whales, uh, few sea turtles, or whatever the case, right? And as soon as I saw this poster, I, I honestly liked it. I really, really did. I don't understand what the hate is for this poster. Maybe the CGI is not good, or maybe uh, his hair should be more wavy since it's underwater. I don't know, but I really, really like the poster. I really do, and now I'm looking forward to the Aquaman trailer, hopefully dropping in San Diego Comic-Con. I'm looking forward to the movie dropping December 21st of this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think one particular fan says, why is he wearing leather pants? And <laughs> the director, James Wan, he goes, what the hell do you want him to wear? Swimming trunks? Oh, man. He's Jason fucking Momoa. Come on. He can do whatever the hell he wants. I'm sure a lot of women that are listening to this right now would kill to go to bed with him. Because apparently he's, he's been deemed as one of the most sexiest men ever. And I'm like, 
Yeah, 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 whatever. Anyway, Aquaman poster, I like it. I really like it. In continuation with Aquaman, by the way, Aquaman is going to feature a massive sea dragon. Again, look at the pictures. I, I know I probably spoiled something big, but it's going to feature a massive sea dragon. And I looked at it, and it looks bad ass. You thought I was going to say bad, didn't you? Nope. Bad ass. The massive sea dragon looks freaking awesome. And I think, I believe, this is to counteract what um, Aquaman was mostly made fun of. Because back in the cartoons, back in the old days, like, you know, Super Friends and how Aquaman was portrayed, he was always riding this big, this dumbass seahorse. And I'm like, yeah, you can't really take Aquaman um, seriously that way. In fact, there was a scene, a quick scene in The Big Bang Theory where everyone is dressing up as their comic book heroes. And one of the characters, I, I don't watch the show, so I completely forgot his name. But the Indian guy, I think he's Indian. Sorry if I'm, you know, I'm not being racist. I just, I think he's Indian. So, sue me. Um, he dress up, he's dressing up as Aquaman and the sea horse is attached to it. And he looks dumb as shit. He really, really does. He looks dumb as shit. So the massive sea dragon that I saw in the pictures looks freaking awesome. Another reason as to why I'm looking forward to the movie. You can see Black Manta. You can see Queen Mira. You can see a lot of things from Hasbro toys and action figures. And it's it's very interesting. It's fitting that it's going to be the last or not the last Actually, no. Yes, it is the last. It is the last DC film of the year of 2018. So, if it's going to go out with a bang, I'm hoping it's extremely good. I really, really do. I'm hoping Aquaman knocks it out of the park. Whew. Talking about a lot of Aquaman recently. Ain't that something? Huh. Massive tooth for two. Uh, what is going on? What else is going on? What else is going on? Let's see here. Um, rumor in titles. Penguin has been dropped from Birds of Prey, but may appear in the Batman. Okay. Now, I briefly spoke about how ironic, or not ironic, but how, um, interesting it would be. For a bird to be in a Birds of Prey movie. But now since this is a rumor. We don't really know if we should take it seriously. At this point. Um, Birds of Prey. Which by the way features. Harley Quinn. Black Canary. Huntress. Cassandra Kane, Who's the Black Bat by the way. For those of you who don't know who the Black Bat is. Look her up. She's freaking awesome. And Detective Renee Montoya. I've heard the name before. I, I can't remember who that was exactly. Um, Birds of Prey is also going to feature a Batman villain that has not, has not been in a movie yet. Has not been in a movie yet. So it's not the Penguin. It's not Mr. Freeze. It's not Poison Ivy. It's not... um. Bane, it's not the Scarecrow, it's not, um, who else? The Riddler, it's not Two-Face, it's none of those guys. It's going to feature a Batman villain that we have not seen before. Um, I was going to say Killer Croc, but we've already seen him with Suicide Squad. Who do I think the Batman villain could be? Hmm, maybe Hush. Huh. A guy that can manipulate his face into any person he wants. Seems reasonable. Seems reasonable. Or how about Clayface? A guy that can manipulate into any person he wants. I'm down. But it has to be someone that... Not only Harley Quinn, but all of these characters that I just mentioned would have to band together and go up against. Hmm. Hmm... 
Who could that Batman villain be? Deathstroke? No, no way. He's already featured in many movies. Well, not really movies, but, you know, Arrow and other DC content. Hmm. Who could the next Batman villain be? If you guys have any clue of who it's going to be or if you want to speculate, let me know in the comments in my Twitter and Instagram. Let me know. I'm all ears. I am all ears. For me, I think it's either Hush or Clayface if I had to take a good, good, good guess. If I had to take a guess, it would probably be one of those two. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. Moving on. Uh, let's see. In our last piece of DC news, the Batwoman TV series from Greg Bertolanti, or Berlanti, sorry if I'm butchering that name, Berlanti, who is the director of the Arrowverse, is now in development at the CW. So we talked about before of the chances that Batwoman, Batwoman would do a crossover with um, Arrow, Supergirl, Flash, and everybody else, the DC Legends of Tomorrow, and everybody else that um, is in association with the CW Network. And Batwoman, although she's not very well known to a lot of people, I think this is a move to not only uh, continue to put female superheroes onto the map because we've already we're already doing that with movies but now we're trying to do it with TV shows as well. Um a Hollywood, uh I'm going to read to you a Hollywood reporter uh description of the new show. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, here's uh here's going to here's here's basically Batwoman in a nutshell. <clears throat> and I quote, Batwoman revolves around Kate Kane who Armed with a passion for social justice and flair for speaking her mind, soars onto the streets of Gotham as Batwoman, an out lesbian and highly trained street fighter primed to snuff out the failing city's criminal resurgence. But don't call her a hero yet. In a city desperate for a savior, Kate must overcome her own demons before embracing the call to be Gotham's symbol of hope. So... Even though this is featuring a Batman character, I'm actually, I, 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 I would definitely watch it. One, because I'm a massive Batman fan. And two, it definitely gives us something different. Something that we can all root for. In terms of diversity in uh, sexual orientation and in terms of her being a female superhero. I'm not really into Supergirl that much, which is why I don't really watch much of her show. And DC Legends of Tomorrow, I kind of got bored of after the second season. Although I would have to give it another try for the third. Arrowverse, in my personal opinion, is, is going to continue no matter what. And I haven't really seen Black Lightning yet. But in terms of everything else, in terms of everything else, um, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I'm looking forward to... Seeing Batwoman. <laughs> oh, sorry, forgive me. I had to put it up. Put. <laughs> I want my dog to be in my room. Be like, wait, 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 wait. Nope, she has to go to bed. She has to go to bed outside. Not really outside, but in her room. Anyway. Whew. That's all for the DC news, actually. We actually covered a lot. We covered a lot. No, no, we didn't. I'm sorry. No, no, we didn't. Today, it just reminded me. Holy crap, I almost, I almost forgot. Today, the, the DC Universe launched a trailer for Titans. And it's an R-rated trailer. It's a TVMA version of the trailer. And if you have not seen it, <laughs> like this is, this is just, I'm spoiled, screw it. Spoilers for the trailer. So, right away, you see Dick Grayson beating the shit out of everybody in an alley, possibly killing someone. And then, once he go, like, one of the, one of the bad guys went, where's Batman? And he's beating the shit out of them. I think he broke someone's neck by stepping on him. He goes, fuck Batman. I'm like, ooh. 
Okay, Dick Grayson. We'll, we'll see what you're working with. We'll see what you're working with. Okay. Okay, you're trying to, trying to go a little Jason Todd fiasco? Alright, I can see that. I can see that. In my opinion, in my opinion, I think they're doing this to ensure that we're already taking a step in terms of where the DC Universe is going to be. In contrast with Marvel, Marvel is light, it's colorful, full of hope, sometimes despair from, you know, Avengers. Hey, my phone is buzzing. <laughs> uh, in terms of everything else of what Marvel is doing, I think DC being all dark and gritty and grounded is actually the best way to go. With the DC Universe launching very, very soon, and the trailer that dropped for today, it's getting me more excited than ever before. Within this trailer, Dick Grayson is beating the crap out of everybody. Raven, even though she's not as dark and emo as I thought she was, she's actually going through a lot of issues where she's trying to control her inner demons because she is the daughter of Trigon, which makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that she's afraid of what she, of what she can become if she lets her powers go out of control. We don't really see a lot from Starfire, even though there was a particular scene where she's actually flaming some dudes. Um, we don't really see Beast Boy's transformation into any other animals, or I think we have. I have to rewatch the trailer again. And there are a couple more characters that I don't really know their names of, but I don't think, I don't think Cyborg is in it, unfortunately. Unfortunately, Cyborg is not in it. Why? Well, for one thing, he's part of the Justice League now, and I don't think they could introduce him in a new TV service tra uh, uh, um, a service show for a network that's about to get dropped. But at the same time, with how dark and gritty Titans actually look, with... Robin possibly killing people, which I think, in my personal opinion, this is his transition into Nightwing. This, this is what I believe. But I think he actually did. He's probably turning to more like Jason Todd. Honestly, it would have been a lot better if that was Jason Todd. Now that I think about it. You know, in, in last last few episodes, I talked about the continuity between characters and the fact that it makes no sense for Batman to kill. Well, it kind of does, but you don't really show anything to like try to justify it. Um, I spoke a lot about continuity. So now that I think about it, and now that I really think about it, even though it looks cool, it doesn't really fit Dick Grayson's characteristic to want to kill people and shoot them down or whatever. That's more of Jason Todd's perspective. Um, but at the same time, like... You know, it is what it is. It looks badass to me. Now that I rethink about it, it doesn't make sense for the character to do. But it is what it is. It's been a while since we've seen Robin on screen. So I'll take it. Honestly, I'll take it. You know, could have been a lot better if it was Jason Todd. But, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. No, I don't wish it's Damian Wayne. I Oh, I'm trying my best not to curse. I hate Damian Wayne. I really do. I hate... He's not no piece of shit of a punk. I hate Damian Wayne. I really do. I hate him. I hate him so much. I hate him. Out of all Robins, he's the one that I hate the most. Huh. If you have not seen the Titan trailer yet, go watch it right freaking now after this episode is done. Go watch it. You'll probably be like... No, they, they kill, they, they ruined my character. At this point, I don't care anymore because now I'm just going to accept everything that just happens. Um, I actually had a question, one question from a buddy of mine and he, and he wanted me to answer it. He goes, he, he asked me and I'm going to read it now. Do you think the DC universe is the perfect place to release the Snyder cut of the Justice League? I'm going to answer him right now. It would be the perfect place to release it because Warner Brothers is clearly not going to spend the money that they want to ensure that the Snyder Cut will be available on Blu-ray or digital. 
because they have to spend money in order for that to happen. But if it's going to get released in the DC Universe content, um, it's actually going to encourage more fans on being a member of the streaming service. The same way they would with Hulu and Netflix and everything and everything else. So it would actually get more members and more subscribers. And in a way, it would actually be a brilliant tactic. However, however, now that I just answered that question, let me burst the bubble. Warner Brothers released a statement today that they will not be releasing the Snyder Cut at all because there is nothing there. It, I don't think it even exists. Zack Snyder has not even seen his own cut of the film, of the movie. He has not even seen it. Okay? Henry Cavill, the guy that plays Superman, believes that there's no point in having a Snyder's cut. So, I'm sorry, but there will be no Snyder's cut for the DC Universe streaming service. There really isn't. There's not going to be one for Blu-ray. There's not going to be one at all. The sooner we accept that, the sooner we can move on and enjoy the new content that is going to be provided to us. So, huh, that's all I can say about that. And that's about it. That's all we have for DC News today. Uh, first, before we uh, go into our second segment... We're going to go with a did you know and a quote of the week. Did you know that Gamble, the character that Michael J. White played from The Dark Knight. If you guys have no idea who, I, who I'm talking about. It's the guy where the Joker put his knife in the first time in his mouth. And he asked the question, you want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. That guy, Michael J. White's character. Apparently, he wasn't supposed to die in the movie. He actually had a lot more lines and a lot more scenes to do and to go through um, later on in the film. But apparently, he died due to an editing choice that was done in post-production. He didn't even realize that his character died after the movie was done. He probably, he most likely thought, oh, well, I guess that's it for my character. So, I feel like that's very, very interesting. Huh, my phone keeps on buzzing. My phone keeps on buzzing. Anyway, I find that very interesting. Uh, you would think that after 10 years, we would probably hear something about that. Maybe someone else have actually heard of it. Um, in my opinion, maybe, maybe there are a couple of scenes that we have not seen yet in some kind of director's cut. But at the same time, again, it's been more than 10 years. Like, no, actually, it has been 10 years. So... We would have heard about something. We definitely would have heard it by now. But I think that's very interesting to point out. Very interesting indeed. So. So we got. For the DC content. We covered a lot today. With Aquaman. The Joker. Gamble. Or Gambol. Birds of Prey. The Batwoman TV series. And of course. The Titan trailer. For the DC Universe. And now. Our quote. Of the week. Our quote of the week. And the winner goes to... <clears throat> huh. I feel like... You know what? Batman's quote. <clears throat> this is from issue number six, uh, 612. Issue number 612, the Hush comic book. If Clark wanted to... He could use his super speed and squish me into the cement. But I know how he thinks. Even more than the kryptonite, he's got one big weakness. Deep down, Clark's essentially a good person. And deep down, I'm not. And all I have to say is, Batman, you're not a good person. 
you're a good man. If that makes any sense. <laughs> That's all we got for DC News content tonight. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can once again message me at the MG Magnum on Twitter or MG Magnum 715 on Instagram. And for now, without further ado, the in depth spoiler review of Ant Man and the Wasp coming up in just a few moments. Alrighty, we are on our second segment in tonight's episode, episode 17, the OTC Outside the Comics Podcast. And today we're going to be diving into Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, before I start this spoiler review, an in-depth spoiler review, I want to make something very, very clear. I do not hate the movie. I know it's going to seem that I'm going to be talking a lot about negative stuff, but I do not hate the movie. I said in my last episode that I thought the movie was okay, and I'm going to stick to that, okay? So if you guys want to bash me, if you guys want to call me a Marvel hater, if you guys want to call me any of those scenes, that's fine. You're the, you have the right to your own opinion. But like I said, I don't hate this movie. So, spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Three, two, one. This movie, seeing it for the second time, in my opinion, has been quite a disappointment, honestly. It really, really has been. I thought that by seeing it the second time, and there were barely any people in the theater this time, because I saw it during the day, I thought that maybe, maybe I could give it another fair shot in terms of what exactly separated it from the last three movies that came before it. The last three movies, in terms of being Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War, Eminem and the Wasp doesn't really hold a candle to them. And I think that's, to me, is the most disappointing aspect of the entire movie. Uh, like I let's let's start with the negatives already. Paul, first of all, or maybe something a little positive, I loved Paul Rudd. In terms of an actor. He's funny. He's awesome. He's great in a lot of roles that he's done. I remember him from Anchorman. I can remember him from the 40 year old version. I can remember him from um, Mike in, uh, in the TV show Friends. He's a great character. He, In a way he portrays as the underdog superhero. Similar to Spider-Man in a way. No pun intended with the insects um, stuff. Uh, like Spider-Man, he's like the underdog in terms of superheroes. When I first saw Ant-Man, the very first movie, he was clever. He was not a genius, but he was extremely smart. He used his tactics to break into Hank Pym's facility to try to steal a suit. And then Hank Pym got, you know, very impressed, which is why he seeked him out in the first place. In this movie, however, the continuity between the characters, and, and even though I go back back and forth with continuity issues with characters, even though I said earlier that I don't mind Robin you know, doing what he did in the Titan trailer, but that's something else completely different. I know, it seems like I'm going back and forth. You're such a hypocrite. Anyway, the continuity with Paul Rudd's character, Scott, um, Scott Lang, does not really make that much sense. He's more in the back front this time. He's more of the guy that doesn't really know much of what he's doing. He's more of the... I, I can't say bumbling idiot, but... He takes a back seat because this movie literally is all about... Evangeline's Lily's character, Hope Pym or Hope Van Dyke, or whatever hell her name is. Uh, the Wasp. It's pretty much all about her. I mentioned a few episodes before that the movie has nothing to do with couples uh, of this being a couple movie. And in a way, I was correct because I didn't really buy the aspect of those two being together in the first movie. 
even though the, there is a love interest there, I, it's not strong enough for me to buy into it. It really, really isn't. I did enjoy the the relationship between father and daughter, between Scott and his daughter Cassie, and I think that what this movie was trying to be portrayed most in importantly is the fact that this movie is more of a family movie than anything else. It's about the relationship between a daughter trying to find her mom, Hope trying to find Michelle Pfeiffer's character. And Michael Douglas trying to find his wife, who was the original Wasp because of what happened to her going into the quantum space or the quantum realm as they call it. Which, by the way, I'm going to have to dive into it in a little bit. The relationship between those characters was actually very well spot on because you can actually feel that Scott generally cares about his daughter. And his daughter, know, knowing who he is, knowing what he's been through, knowing what he's done for the world, for themselves, for the family. Like, you, the little girl is probably one of the best things about the movie. But let me go back into the things that are negative. I don't like the uh, continuity shift of what Paul Rudd's character actually went through. I really, really don't. I don't. Um, sorry, I have a little stumbling thought. The villain, Hannah John Kamen, or Kaman, Kaman, Kaman? Sorry if I'm butchering that. Uh, the ghost. Sympathetic, yes. Great villain, not so much. I understood what her motivation was. I understood that she needed to get what she needed to get from Scotland's mind in order for her to be fixed because she phases. And if she doesn't find a cure or find some way to treat herself, she was going to die. Since so she explained that her cells were to be ripped apart and ripped open or ripped apart or put back together numerous times, right? I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is her origin story. Not how she got her powers. There was a particular scene in the movie where um, Lawrence Fishburne's character, Bill Foster, explained that she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. at one point. That she was trained to become a weapon. And apparently she got betrayed in some way. This was the part that was confusing. She was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm thinking to myself. How did we as the audience did not realize that she actually existed? Why did we not see it in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s files? Why did anyone make any mention of her in quite some time? And if they did mention her in some aspect, if she was supposed to kept secret, why did they release her in terms of her having a strong suit that could possibly go into the wrong hands? You, you see what I mean? Like, a lot of that didn't really make that much sense to me. She wasn't menacing. She wasn't intimidating. She wasn't the type of villain that would make you despise in, in, in a variety of ways. Like, Loki, awesome villain. Thanos, awesome villain. Killmonger, awesome villain. You know, there's only a handful of villains that can truly believe that what they're doing is not considered evil. That's what makes a great villain a villain. But in this movie... She just didn't do enough for me. She really, really didn't. The fight scenes between her and the Wasp were spot on. Um, the Wasp being like probably the only greatest thing. Well, not the only greatest thing, but one of the greatest things about the entire movie. <clears throat> um, I don't... I, 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 I couldn't envision Ghost's character... To be that much of a threat, basically. Like, she came in, she fought, then she goes away. Comes in, fought, and she goes away. And there was a point where she threatened to kill or kidnap uh, Scott Lang's daughter. And Lawrence Fishburne tells her not to. So she ends up doing something else completely. 
And I feel like, you know what? Maybe that would have, that, that would not have been bad to us as the audience to see what would have happened if she would have taken that route. But that's neither here nor there. Walton Goggins' character, Sonny Birch, or Sonny Birch, completely unneeded in the, in the movie. If his, if his character and his goons or his henchmen or whoever was to be taken out of the movie, I don't think it would have changed anything in the long run. I, I, I really, really don't think so. He, he did, it was way too much to include him. Michael Pena's character, Lewis, being the comedy, comedy relief with T.I. and the other guy that was in a couple of movies. I completely forgot his name. Um, I like the comedy aspect from him when he was giving exposition in terms of him uh, being given the truth serum. That was pretty funny. I'm sure that has a lot to do with Paul Rudd co-writing the screenplay for this movie. I'm sure that has a lot to do with that. I don't mind that. Um, so I believe that was a, l a little touch of lightness within the movie. Uh, let's see what else. Um, the Asian guy's name, Randall Park, who plays Detective Jimmy Woo. Um, if you don't know, if you don't remember who Randall Park was, he played... Um, Kim, Dong Young Kim in uh, the interview with uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco. And um, he portrayed to me as a little bit more of a cartoon character. He was, um, he had some kind of infatuation with Scott Lang's with Scott Lang himself. It, it was a little weird. It, it, it really, really was. Like, he... Basically, I couldn't take him seriously as a cop. I couldn't take him seriously as a character. I couldn't take him seriously at all. Even when he was telling Scott's daughter about what happens when bad people do bad things. It, I, I, didn't, I didn't really take it seriously. Overall, I feel like... The writing for this movie was very, very lazy because it wasn't, it's not meant to be, in in my personal opinion, it's not meant to be taken seriously like the other MCU films. Don't get me wrong, it's not worse than Thor Dark World or forgettable like The Incredible Hulk or any of those lines, to be honest. It's not as worse as that. It's not as forgettable as that. But for me, it kind of felt like filler for the MCU. The fact that Infinity War was literally the peak of everyone's expectations and it exceeded them plus some and more. And then Ant-Man coming in right after. It, 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 it's a movie that I don't think you would want to watch a second time. Or maybe if you do watch it a second time... It's not a movie that you would want to go out on DVD unless you're a collectible. It's not really a movie that you would want to see like flickering through the channels unless you want to like see some of the com uh, comedic stuff that the movie had to offer. Um the quantum realm by far is probably where I have the most frustration with the film. The whole idea with the quantum realm it's been told to us as fans that time and space works extremely differently within the realm itself. And yet, towards the end, when they finally rescue Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Hope. I'm sorry, not Hope. Jesus, that's the daughter's name. I, that's the thing. I completely forgot her name. That's how forgetful the, thing, the, the character was. When they... Go on a rescue mission to rescue Michelle Pfeiffer's character. It doesn't explain how exactly she survived 30 years in the quantum realm. It doesn't explain what she's been doing. It doesn't, it doesn't explain how she survived that long without eating nutrients or anything like that. Nothing is explained. She ages 
Which is weird because we were told that time and space works differently. We thought time actually stood still uh, within the quantum realm. But apparently it doesn't because she ages. She has, she has makeup on. She has mascara on. So how the hell did she able to be... How the hell she survived for so long? Not only did she survive for so long, she has mystical powers now. She possesses Scott Lang's body, okay, where he's actually working some machinery through her eyes. She, in, she gives Scott's visions of what her life was like in the past. She also fixes the ghost's phasing problem. Or, may, or maybe not fix it completely, but stabilized her abilities. None of it is explained. And that's another reason why I didn't like the film as much as I wanted to. Nothing is explained. You're leaving the movie with more questions than answers. And I feel like that has a lot to do with the writing. To me, it's lazy writing. It really is. I enjoyed the first movie a lot better than this one. Like I said, The Wasp was great. Cassie was good. The, the, some of the comedy was good. Um, overall, I did not... Like I said, it was, it was an okay movie. It didn't exceed my expectations as I wanted it to. And this is coming off of Avengers Infinity War. This is the last Marvel movie in terms of the MCU before Captain Marvel makes her debut in 2019. So... If this is what the MCU was thinking in terms of releasing a movie that you can just maybe see and just have a good time with, there are going to be a lot of mixed reviews. I can see that right now. There's definitely going to be a lot of mixed reviews in terms of how this movie is going to be done. Um, it, to me, honestly, and I'm, I'm going to be completely honest about this. I only saw the movie just to see what's going to tie into Avengers Infinity War. That's that's the only reason why I was really psyched about the movie. To see how exactly Ant-Man would tie into the Infinity War. And in the post-credits scene, well, mid-credits scene to be exact, mid-end credit scene, you see Scott Lang travel into the quantum th uh, realm... To gather energy, which he says was for Ghost. And then he's talking to Hope and everybody else through radio. And then it cuts off. And you realize Hope, Scott, uh, not Scott, um, Hank Pym, his wife have disintegrated. Which, if you remembered, is how everybody else died when Thanos did his snap. Now what does this mean? I believe. And this is a theory. I'm pretty sure this is most likely what's going to happen. But fans are not stupid. Okay. I believe with the energy that he gathered. From the quantum realm. With the, with the quantum realm thing. Since quote unquote. Time and space works differently. I think that energy that he gathered is what's going to be used to travel back in time for Avengers 4. Therefore, rewinding what Thanos has done and bringing back the characters that we lost. That's the only explanation. That's the only explanation. And I probably spoiled the shit out of Avengers 4, but that's probably how it's going to be done. We don't know who's going to manufacture it. We don't know how. We don't know if it's going to be Tony Stark. We don't know if it's going to be Shuri. We don't know who's going to do it. We don't know how it's going to be done. But something about Scott Lang gathering that energy must have something to do with the time jump. It must have something to do with that. And I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that's what's going to happen. That's the only reason why they would show that scene and tie into Avengers 4. Otherwise, they would just show him outside and have the rest 
of the people um, disintegrate. So that's what I think is going to happen. Another thing I realized, Cassie, Scott Lang's daughter, she said something very interesting, and I picked up on this, and a lot of fans picked up on this. She says, which I think is adorable, and, I kind of, and I'm kind of taking it seriously. She says, maybe you need a partner to watch your back. And he goes, well, I kind of do, but she's not talking to me right now. And she says along the lines, I meant me. I think this is tying into future products for the MCU to set up the Young Avengers. Think about it. There will be no reason as to why she would say something like that unless she's trying to help her dad out in terms of being a hero. And we all have kids every now and then when they say things that they really don't mean, but when the kids really want to help their parents and her being a 10 or 11 or 12 year old girl to say something like that, definitely foretell something for the future. And if you guys don't know who the Young Avengers are, get a comic and read it because I certainly don't know much about them myself, but I do know they exist. And I think it would be poetic. Her dad is Ant-Man and her possible stepmother is the Wasp. I think her being the daughter of both of them combined would actually be very interesting in terms of her being a potential hero. So... Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's an okay movie. Like I said, I enjoyed the chemistry between the characters. The plot, I understood it kind of made sense. The Wasp and Ghost were very badass in their fight scenes. The Ghost, in my personal opinion, should have been done better in terms of her being a really, really good villain. Instead of just her being a very sympathetic villain. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp didn't blow me away, but it's still an okay movie to enjoy. I don't think I'll be seeing it again, at least anytime soon. Maybe if it leads, once it leads to Avengers 4, then I'll take another crack at it and watching it again. Um, love Paul Rudd's character, even though the continuity is not there. I love the Wasp's character. The Quantum Realm thing, very confusing to figure out. Hopefully, they clear that up for the next movie to come to pass. Aside from that, that was my spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. If you guys have not seen it, go watch it. Um... Yeah, that's about it, really. So, with that being said, tune in next week as I'm going to find more and more of what's going to happen with this weekend's San Diego Comic-Con. What trailers has been dropped, what announcements they've made, all of that, plus other news is going to be done. As of right now, I'm done. I am through. Everyone, take great care. Peace out. I'll see you next time.